0: But about two years ago, I was raped. There's a lot of anger. for not being manly enough. There are two ideas about safe spaces. My understanding of the world changed. And I felt numb. Are you a man or a mouse? I was alone. I couldn't bring myself to say it. I was lost. All I wanted was to be able to share my experience, what was happening to me with someone. Hey, and welcome once again to Safe Places and Spaces for Men. This is your male survivor resiliency and leadership development coach, Thomas Edward, coming to you once again from Sacramento, California. All right, how is everybody doing out there? Are you locked in shelter or sheltered in place as we're all trying to do our best to help, you know, stop the spread of course of the coronavirus. And um, so I know that can leave you with a lot of time on your hands. (laughs) So, you know, I want to give a shout out once again to those who are, you know, you're, you're reaching out, which is great. And that's what I would like for for you to do. Those that are reaching out on the calls that we're, we're having and we're inviting, you know, survivors to come and to, you know, share their stories and talk. And I'm just doing a little coaching while we're there on on the calls, which is great. You know, just trying to do what we can to, to help out. And then for those of you that have after the call to say, you know what? This is good stuff. This is good information. I think I'm going to start, you know, doing some of the online coaching courses that we have there. And, and that gives us even more opportunities to, to talk and to bring up issues and things. You know, um, I want to talk uh, today a little bit and just share this. And and this is the thing, you know, sometimes we're in close quarters, like the way that we are. We're kind of on our self-quarantine Um, for uh, some survivors, this can really be a difficult time. And the reason I say that because a lot of people don't think about this, but often during these times, and we're already starting to see the reports, we know that domestic violence, you know, starts to take an uptick and just, uh, you know, violence in general, sometimes when people are in the same space for a certain amount of time with no where to have any relief or to move to. And for us as survivors of sexual abuse, one of the reasons this can be an issue for us, because as trauma survivors, oftentimes we can be at risk, and I'm going to say for future abusive relationships. And that kind of came up a little bit on our last, uh, on the call that we had. And so I just wanted to kind of parcel that out just a, a little bit. Because oftentimes, you know, I hear people asking the question and people who probably don't understand or maybe they haven't had that type of, of, of trauma in their life. And they am like, well, why doesn't that person just leave? And so then what happens is we start blaming the victim. So blaming the victim either for, you know, being attached or falling in love uh, with someone who goes on to abuse them. Now, here's the thing, okay, as survivors, survivors of sexual abuse, we always have to remember as victims, you're never at fault, okay? So, no one asked to be victimized by their relationship partner. But the thing is that sometimes, because maybe of part of our history, that we might find ourselves in some repetitive abusive cycles. You know, and that's one of the thing. you know, uh, as I'm noticing as we're talking about the, the quarantine, that more people, now that they have the time, they're starting to, you know, realize things a little bit more, maybe starting to take a little more uh, analysis or, you know, reflective, introspective look into their lives. And it's good that we have the ability to do that. But that's the thing when we're talking uh, about our sexual abuse, that sometimes we are at risk for future abusive relationships and it doesn't have to be just as we said you know husband wife boyfriend girlfriend boyfriend sometimes it shows up in other places of our lives so for me and I've shared the story with you guys before and so for me because of the excessive abuse that I had of course in, in my sexual abuse history as a child boundaries was really a really difficult thing for me to deal with. And not understanding boundaries even transferred of course into my adult life in different areas. And so when I used to work in corporate one of the issues for me that the abusive relationship had if you're going to say developed or made me accustomed to was just being a people pleaser, okay, to be accepted, to be to belong. And that almost killed me, right? So think about it if if you don't have those those boundaries then it's difficult for you to say no. And when it's difficult for you to say no, let's just think in a work environment, well, who's the person who's going to get all the work, right? The person who says yes all the time. I want us just to, to realize and to think about, you know, as sexual abuse survivors is this, that when we experience that, especially during our, our childhood, and that sexual abuse is part of our experience, it can have a detrimental effect on our well-being as adults now we know that those experiences you know and when we look at you know psychology and different type of things and studies and research that they've linked you know some of those to the development of depression anxiety um, substance abuse eating disorders things that happen oftentimes later in life and so when we have that early exposure then we're at higher risk of experiencing possible abusive relationships in the future and that's because we oftentimes like I said if we haven't done the work then we tend to remain in those patterns that are actually familiar to us and so oftentimes we don't we don't realize that that relationship is actually kind of abusive because maybe we grew up in a dysfunctional family And so it's even difficult for us to, like, well, what does a healthy relationship, what does a healthy family actually look like? Now, when we think about that, our internal compass, our internal compass is kind of being guarded by what we call attachment styles. And as kids, when we're growing, when we're developing, we, of course, develop attachment styles to our caregivers, to the ones who are taking care of us, to our parents. And so when we have those type of relationships, then they're gonna manifest in a certain way. And so we're gonna even start conceiving them in a certain way. So when we think about this, your caregiver, your family, as a child, you'd expect, well, I'm not expecting them to be abusive. And then whatever is the result of how they treat me or deal with me is gonna then start to become, for me, a norm. And that's one of the reasons it can be difficult for us when we're actually, as adult, when we're in those abusive relationships, because our beliefs and things have kind of been formed by those experiences. And so then, of course, now they're going to affect our future relationships. And that's because what happens back then is contributing to the construction of our belief then and then we carry that belief with us oftentimes into adulthood until either we realize it or don't realize it and when we just continue those patterns Oftentimes, like when I'm coaching and I'm working with guys and they're having like issues, let's just say, in the romantic area of their life, the uh, intimate part of their life, the, the emotional part of their life. And I have to try and help them to see that, you know, when we experience that trauma, the interpersonal trauma, whether it be physical, emotional, it could be, you know, sexual, spiritual, what often happens is we start losing a sense of self And that's what we mean about about the boundaries. And so it's hard for me to distinguish where my line ends and your line starts. And then because of that, the abuse becomes part of our story. And what we do is we deeply internalize that. And so then it's different because it alters our view, let's just say, of a romantic relationship. Well, what does what does that really look like? I have no idea what a healthy relationship look like. I remember I was working and coaching with um, one survivor, and um, it was really causing some issues in their marriage, and that's because the abuse that had taken place during his childhood abuse history was pretty much the norm for him. And so when he enters this relationship and and he's married and, you know, the, the things that he considers to be normal his wife's like whoa where are you coming from that is just totally way out in left field you know and it really took a lot for them to try and work with that relationship because he had to learn and discover what healthy relationships actually were you know what what do you do in a healthy relationship what does that look like and so that can make it really difficult for us so when we think about When we notice that most of where our offenders are, our caregivers, then as victims, we often blame ourselves. And like we said, that's because of that attachment. Because no one wants their parents to be considered as, you know, the offender, the, the bad guy. And so the idea of possibly either losing that loss, we'd rather actually just put up with the abuse. So then what happens is that oftentimes gets transferred into our adult relationships and so now maybe we're being verbally uh, abused emotionally abused but we're still falling in on the idea of you know but i love this person Uh, i want to belong i want to be accepted and so then oftentimes whether conscious or unconscious we just continue to either fall in the pattern or we just actually put up with or tolerate the actual abuse this is the thing i want you to to think about and if this is the situation for you i want you to actually just start doing a little bit thinking i want you to ask you know if you find yourself in an abusive relationship and hopefully it's not physical okay if if it is i just need you to get out of there now i know there's a quarantine on but if you can find someone else to go stay with you, you need to go stay with them you need to call them. You need to call the authorities. OK, if, if it's if it's at a physical, physical threat level. But I want you to, to think about this and I'm just going to pretend like I'm coaching here here. And I just want you to think about, you know. First of all, if you get that inkling or you feel that maybe you're in that abusive relationship, I want to ask you, what do you feel is holding you there? What do you feel is keeping you there? Now, here's the thing there's no judgment on your answer whatever it is but i just want you to start thinking about if you if you feel that way if you feel like there's an inkling there that maybe you are what is keeping you there and so the first thing i want you to, to just think about it, is it fear right so um are you afraid of what will happen if you decide to leave the relationship <laughs> now once i once again. If the fear is if I leave the relationship, there might be some physical violence or whatever ramification, uh, then we we don't want to waste time <laughs> with this, right? We got to we've got to get you to a safe place. Okay, we've got to get you to a safe place, and so there are some things that that need to be done. Like I said, whether authorities or staying with some someone else. But if the fear is is that if I leave, that there's going to be some type of physical harm, violence, then that's a very big indicator not only that you're in an abusive relationship but you need to try and find safety okay here's the other thing i want you to to think about and i guess just not one but when we think about you know what are some possible reasons that we're we're staying there and one is one that we talked about before am i actually believing that this is normal and so, if, if I were to ask you to just take a piece of paper right now and write down, write down all the things that are components of a healthy relationship, and then on the other side, put down those things that aren't a healthy relationship, and see what you come out with. Okay, so I'm, I'm asking, I'm asking you actually to do that. Like I said, it's almost like a coaching session here. And I do want you to do that, okay? So I want you to get a piece of paper, and I just want you to draw a line down the middle. And one side, I want you to put down the things that you believe are part of a healthy relationship. What does it look like, okay? What type of environment, growing environment? And then on the other side, write down what you would be considered an unhealthy or maybe even abusive relationship. And then start comparing the two. Because maybe that will help us to understand our reasonings, or what's helping to to keep us there if it is an abusive relationship. Okay, here's the next one I want you to think about. If you are possibly finding yourself either repeating or being in the cycle of being in abusive relationships, I just wanna ask you this question. Do you still feel a sense of shame sense of embarrassment or or a sense of guilt you know it's it's often difficult for us to admit that we've been abused to disclose when we've been abused and one of the reasons especially in our adulthood is because for us that shame still comes to play and if we're dealing with some of the things that we talked about you know before where we're being attached to the perpetrator who might be a loved one a, a caregiver then for us, sometimes we actually create a guilt or false guilt. And so I want you to to think about that also. Okay, here's the next one I want you to think about. And this is a a big one. So when we're talking about being in an abusive relationship, what I want to ask you is this. Am I possibly staying in, in that abusive relationship because of either cultural or religious reasons. Okay. Cultural or religious reasons. So I run into that oftentimes when I'm coaching people, coaching individuals, coaching, you know, survivors, that oftentimes there is a strong, and I I do mean a very strong cultural or religious reasons that they're staying in the abusive situation. And it's interesting because oftentimes it comes from uh, a fear, a fear of actually, once again, going to what we talked about before, bringing shame. Either bringing shame upon uh, their culture or bringing shame whatever upon their religion because their life is not you know, mimicking the way that they believe it's supposed to, according to their values, those different type of things. Okay. Now I know that's quite a bit for us to, to, to think about today. And I know it's, it's a little bit of a, a heavy, heavy subject. But I think it's something that we need to address, and it's something that we need to to take a little bit deeper dive into when we're talking about survivors of trauma who are at risk for possibly being in future abusive relationships. Say hey, maybe you are, and maybe you're having a hard time recognizing if you are in, let's just say, um, an emotional or psychological abusive case. Let's just let's run down a few a few things. Um, hopefully if it is physical, you understand what that looks like, right? And like we said, we've got to get out of that, that situation, but maybe more subtly you're dealing with it and maybe you're not realizing. So I just want to ask you a few things or show you what it could possibly look like. So I want you to think about, are you in a situation or relationship where you're being humiliated or embarrassed quite often? Okay. Um, i'm going to say in a um, either a mean-spirited way okay so humiliate and then embarrass so what that might look like is the person is constantly putting you down a uh, person is constantly saying negative things um or even hyper criticism like okay yeah we we cannot have a little a little criticism but this is just like over the top okay If it is, that might be an an indication that we're in an abusive relationship. But maybe it's hard for us to see because where we came from, that was considered normal, normal, healthy relationship. Here's something else to, to think about. Maybe the person that you're in the relationship with, are they refusing to communicate with you? So maybe they're using what I call the silent treatment. And that can definitely be a form, uh, definitely a form of when we're talking about emotional abuse, the silent treatment. So are they refusing to communicate with you? They're giving you the, you know, Oprah talk to the hand um, signal. Or maybe it's to the level where they're actually ignoring you or even excluding you. Okay, and like I said, this could even be, let's just say, within a a group of friends or something. There could be abuse that's taking place, so it doesn't have to be just two people. You can actually be in a a group, and there could be individuals that are abusing you or treating you a certain way, and maybe you don't realize it. And like I said, because you're so used to the dysfunctional type of relationships, you're like, "Well, well, what does that look like? So are you constantly being ignored or excluded? okay. Um, You say, well, how will I know? Well, you know, it's interesting. You can tell a lot of things oftentimes in people's voice. So maybe they use a lot of sarcasm. Uh, they might use like a lot of unpleasant um, tone of voice, those different type of things, which falls more into our emotional intelligence, right? Abusive. Okay, if I'm in a romantic, let's say, relationship with someone, does that person seem to be unreasonably jealous? Okay, unreasonably jealous, and so that might be a very good indicator that in the background somewhere there might be some subtle, maybe abuse that's going on, or that could even be a, a precursor. So when we talk once again, instead of criticism, you know, do they even just make kind of fun jokes about you? Maybe mean jokes. And they're always doing that, whatever, in front of people. However, they throw in the but word. Now, now, if you guys know when I teach my leadership classes, and we talk about the butt word, uh, the butt word is very confusing, right? So, so saying "I love you," but, right? Okay. So what does that do? In, in the mind, actually, that sets up a, a negative because then what it's listening for what comes after the but. So can I believe that what came before the but is actually true? That's why I always advise, advise my clients, like, uh, instead of sticking your butt in, put a period there. <laughs> so uh, are, are you noticing phrases, phrases like that? Or are you, are you even noticing, I'm going to say power struggle language, saying things like, if you don't blank, whatever it is, I will. Okay. So um, obligation language, commanding language, bullying language and so with that case does there seem to be a lot of actually domination and control so it's hard for for you to you know be whatever say your own self um not allowed to go do different things okay so they're dominating control and you're trying to keep you in that place okay those are symptoms of or calling an abusive relationship or like we said maybe they're using withdrawal of affection Right. And so that goes back to what I call the trick or treat. You know, if you don't do this, I won't do this or I will. I will do this. But maybe they're actually withdrawing that affection from us. And so they're using it. as we're talking about the power struggle, the power differential. Just as if when we were being abused, right, someone has the upper hand and they're using whatever that advantage, that power to mistreat or to hurt. Are you being placed on guilt trips? All right, we do that enough ourselves, oftentimes. So if we have someone who's putting, you know, even more extra guilt on us, then we need to realize that that's possibly an abusive situation that we're in. And here's the the one that I really want you to to think about, uh, because this is the one that I see. And oftentimes when people are in abusive situations, they don't think about this. But are you noticing that, let's just say the person who is abusing, that they're isolating you more from other people? So they're isolating you from friends They might be isolating you from family. And it's almost like when we go back and we talk about grooming. And so they're setting up the scenario that, you know, they're the only safe one. They're the only safe person. You know, they're really there to help you, but really what they're doing is they're controlling you. And the best way to do that, of course, is to isolate you from other people, other opinions, other experiences. Okay. so I just want you to to think about those things. Like I said, if because oftentimes for us as survivors, we don't know what those healthy relationships kind of look like. And then sometimes we don't even notice them until someone points them out to us you know that's the one thing i love about you know being a being a coach because you know oftentimes you know i'll just ask someone hey you know um now ask for permission first hey do you mind if we if we dive a little bit deeper in because maybe we're dealing with whatever a current issue but maybe it actually goes uh back and deals with some of we talk about the development of those beliefs and those ideas of like huh i wonder where did that belief whatever come from And so, of course, always asking for permission to dive just a little bit deeper. All right, guys. You know what? Look like our time is almost over here. So what we're going to do is and hey, we're all doing our quarantine. So like I said, you guys are getting more podcasts out of me (laughs) than normal Uh, That's because I don't have to go to my my other my other job. So we'll see how things work out hey but remember if you go up to the website safeplaceformen.com there are some coaching programs on there if you would like to take advantage of those feel free to to do that and then once you do we'll be even more communication because uh, then we'll be uh, on the coaching calls weekly discussing these different type of things that you're actually working through with the online courses and um you know, it's like, the, of course, the, the COVID-19 has changed a lot of things for us. And so, you know, right now we're not doing the the three-day retreats, at least in person, in person. Um, and so we're trying to kind of shifting a little bit um, online. But, man, it's just it's just different. So, you know, I can't wait for, you know, for the day when we've made it through this. We made it on the other side and we can come together because there's just so much power about just being in the presence of other survivors and there's just some things that you just can't get virtually <laughs> uh, it's the way that we're, we're made when we're made for community all right you guys have a great week and we'll oh, talk you with you soon fine oh you turn out fine but you gotta keep your head up oh and you can let your head down